0: Because this morning, when you know when you have the songs that are going exactly with what the message was, and we didn't collaborate at all, it's usually really neat because it tells me that God's wanting to speak. And I, I was a little working through, a little worried, not so much. Well, yes, but no, because I know God's word is always true. But the challenge for us is receiving it. Because I think that when we hear God's word often, it's it's letting it become fresh. And I was really, as we were in the prayer time, I just really said, Lord, can you help it to be that? For some, this morning, you, we, we need that fresh word that gives like a, a jolt to our system, that sets us back on the, the way that he has uh, his life for us. So We've been continuing on a series, A Life Worth Giving, and we're on our fourth message. Ron started uh, by giving us a picture of who God is. We always want to look, who is God? Because our, it's what our theology, what we see God is like, gives a reference to then uh, everything, really how the world works, how everything's meant to be. And I think that for us, it's important, look at God. So Ron started that. And then the second week, I talked about how God is a God who loves to give, and he loves to give us gifts. In fact, uh, I, if you remember, it was the fork. Who got forks? i got to remember that. Who, who got a fork? Anyone here? Ah, way to go, Dwayne. And it was about the gifts that we use, you see, because there's a delight in it. You, how do you uh, find that gift, and how do you polish it, make it grow, and use it? Uh, Aaron shared last week about the freedom that God gives us to give. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. And there is, with this, that we are actually countering the culture of of our society. And, And today, this morning, this week, God is helping us to go into this. God is the greatest example of how we are to handle what we have. And in fact, he invites us to a life in him that enables us to follow him. So the title of the message this morning is No Holding Back, okay? A Life Worth Giving. We're going to talk from just two verses, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Do you know we live in a culture that likes to hold on to things? Did you know that? We love our stuff. I'm just going to show this quick little video. I was checking through some various stuff and I just saw this uh, little advertisement. So Go ahead, if we can do it, Sid. I don't know if it'll work, but we'll try. Thursday. How can you tell Storage Wars Canada from all those other Storage Wars shows? Yeah, Yep. yeah. Well, they tend to say A a lot. Here we go, uh, 117 A. They, A, are going to pay A. And they like hockey. Go, Leafs, go. is a nice hockey. <laughs> and most of all, they're polite. It's all yours, sucker. Well, sometimes. Jerk. Storage Wars Canada, Thursday at 9 on OLN. We uh, apparently are a little bit more kinder than they are in the U.S. That's what they said. But basically, the same idea, we love our stuff. Are you kind? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. Go ahead. You can be kind this morning. Um, Storage Wars yeah, I love it where we, we have a lot of reality shows, a lot of it. It's interesting, this, this one particular uh, TV series that they put on, in, on History Channel. Because it's one of the fastest growing industries in North America is the storage industry. Uh, by the end of 2015, there were nearly 54,000 storage facilities in the States. That's more than all the McDonald's and Starbucks locations in the U.S. combined. In fact, it covers, the storage units cover over 2.6 billion square feet. That's three times the size of Manhattan Island. And it's over eight square feet for every man, woman, and child in the U.S. It's a great business. Uh, I, I love it. But did you know that for us in Canada, we still actually, for us, have an equivalent between 2 to 2.5 cubic square feet for every man, woman, and child. Not quite like our our neighbors down the south, but what's interesting is that this is not for just simply, uh, you know, the stuff that we would have. It's the extra stuff. Because a lot of it, these storages are actually legit. People that are moving and they're storing their stuff so they can get into another uh, facility. But for the most part, um, it's... Actually, what they found is that most of these storage contain- containers are just being filled and just sitting there. In fact, it, what they spent is that eventually what's been happening, this is how the storage wars became, is that some of it sits there, and then eventually if they can't pay their rent or whatever, then they get auctioned off, and these uh, auctioneers would come and then use these storage un- units for profit or to resell them. And I, I love it because... It's this idea that it used to be a couple years ago, or, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was about getting more stuff. It was about how you wanted to achieve more, get things. Now, the problem is we have too much stuff. And what do we do with it is the question. Let me ask this question. How does God handle his stuff? Again, we just want to, I'm going to open up these two verses. I'm going to put them up on the, uh, on the uh, board for you or up on the overhead. But what I really want to encourage you is, is to definitely read through this. This is in chapter 8, uh, verse 31 and 32. Paul, writing to the Roman church, said, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, were you reading the same verse that I was just reading? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. That, that, I mean, basically is going, this is who God is. If God's for you, you don't have to worry. Well, okay. But in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave up for us all, how we not also with him graciously give us all things. I love it because this, this is uh, probably one of my favorite Verses, but Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters pretty much in the entire Bible. And because it's full of theology and truth to what Jesus releases to us from his death and resurrection. We were singing that again this morning. What did Jesus do on the cross? What happened on that day 2,000 years ago was absolutely significant, life changing, actually, history changing. And what Jesus releases to us from his death and resurrection, that's what chapter 8 is all about. So I, I want to give you a little bit of context, okay? We need, before we just take two verses, let's, read, let's get an idea of what he's talking about. I want you to give what Roman, Romans 8 brings. Here we go. Now, Paul has been giving the Romans a walk through the gospel. If he started in chapter 1, he would say something like this. He is not ashamed to share the gospel of Christ, because it's the power of salvation for all those who believe. He he starts to tell them about this amazing gospel, and he explained in the first couple chapters the reality of mankind's condition. No one is righteous. By chapter 3, he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he explains that although you have the Ten Commandments, they're good and holy, they actually can't, counteract the power of sin. Doing, having laws and doing good does not actually change us. It's, what he comes to then is that Jesus' death is the central part of God's plan and to start a new age of redemption by faith. And so that's what he's been talking about, faith, and what it looks like to live by faith and, how, this, and that, uh, how Jesus' death comes in, and we, we live by faith, and it changes us. And because of Jesus' death, we are united with him, and then we get into chapter 8, we get to enjoy the work of the Holy Spirit. See, so you have to get that before you just jump in talking about, well, if he's not, for, he's not against us, who, you know, if he's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare all things. Well, if he didn't understand... Well, what do you mean by sparing all things? What we see is the context of Romans chapter 8 is the life we have in Christ. You have a life. You may, you know, Sometimes my sons will turn to the other you know, other son and say, get a life. No, the truth is, the Bible says he, we have life. So we, every time I say that to my boy, I say, no, he's got a life. It's okay. Well, I say through the Holy Spirit because... I love this because the, this is the context, the life we have in, in Christ Jesus. Now, it's here that Paul, in these two verses, shares what is God's nature. The Holy Spirit, through, through Paul, says that God did not spare his own son. This is what God's like. Well, what, do you, what does it mean not to spare? When we ask that if God did not spare, if this is part of his nature, what is he talking about? Well, to spare means to hold back or to hold on to, to cling. God does not hold back on, on Jesus. What this does is it's going to share with you about a life of God leading us into a life that allows us, through the Holy Spirit, to not hold back. And I say that through the Holy Spirit because did you know that sparing, holding back, can be a good thing. Did you know that? Not, sparing something can be good. Paul says this in, in the book of Acts. He says it to Corinthians. He talks how he said, I wanted to spare you from some pain, and how he was withholding that from them. When he was talking about they were going through some stuff, and he says, I desired that you would not go through this. He was, It's actually a good thing. Did you know that God wants to withhold some things from you, and it's good? Sometimes he's sparing us, and we'll explain that in a few minutes. But sparing can also be a bad thing. Holding something back can be bad. Do you know what, uh, if you have children, do you know what the Bible says? If you spare the rod, you what? Spoil the child. If you suddenly stop actually doing discipline, if you withhold discipline, it actually could affect the character of a child. So he says, holding back sometimes is not good. Interesting, eh? So here's the, this is why I say through the Holy Spirit, because the key is doing it through the Holy Spirit. Do we know how we to handle everything? What are we meant to hold, sp- hold, and what are we meant to give away? It's knowing when to spare and when to let it go. That's what we need. Especially in today in our culture when we have so much stuff. So if we're truly living a life that follows Jesus, living a life that Christ has died for, raised from the dead, given to us, this holding and letting and not holding on to is is a challenge. Or how do we live it is really what we're trying to ask. How do we live a life of not holding back? you want to learn? I love it because God doesn't just say, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to just teach you something. He's going to actually give us some principles. In Romans 8, there's some ways of actually how we can let go. No holding back. Well, the first thing is this. How we live it is this. He starts off in Romans chapter 8, 8, uh, verses 12 and 13. He says, make a choice. Which life do you want to live? I'm kind of paraphrasing. I'm going to read Romans 8, 12 to 17. I just put the verses up here, uh, or just the, the text, but I'm going to read it to you because it's pretty big. So. so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And this is really interesting, he tags this on the end, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I'll get to that in a few minutes. That's a really weird tag on why he would talk about this, about how suddenly this, you put to death, you're making a choice to live which life, this life that now we have in Christ or a life that you just kind of live your, keep doing your thing. See, we, we have the Holy Spirit, and he talks about how we have the Spirit inside us, but now our partnering with him, our choosing to walk with the Holy Spirit did you know you can quench the Holy Spirit? How many of you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? He'll speak through other people. He speaks in many ways. He, he, but also, there's a point where you actually are not wanting to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Because what would happen if the Holy Spirit says, make a choice? Now, I love it because the Holy Spirit brings us to the ability to listen and obey. And there are many examples in the Bible who did not... People who learned to do that, they just did these radical decisions for the Lord. Now, I'm an example that I'm going to give. I'm just going to give one example of a choice, a person making a choice that just showed their life given to the Lord. And the example of not sparing is Mary. Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Now, If you don't know, in John chapter 12, they're making a meal with Jesus. And what happens is this is what it says in verse 3. Mary therefore took a pound, a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Just get a picture of what that's like. Imagine you're sitting there, you're having a dinner, and then all of a sudden one of the people, uh, the guests, or sorry, one of the owners of the house walks in, comes in, and and, and suddenly takes this perfume and starts to, you know, pour it on Jesus' head and then start to rub it on his feet. But in fact, using her hair, you'd just be going, what's going on? That is weird. Why, why this display? What, what was causing her to do that? That just seems a little bit... Uh, Weird? How many of you have had that happen to your house? Just this, you know? How many of you are invited to go to Aaron's house this week? No, just to, you know, kind of... My hair is too short. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) No, but what, what I love about this is this event of her coming and doing all this happened just before John 11. And John 11 was this. What happened was Jesus had just raised her brother from the dead. So as Lazarus had been raised from the dead, this is Mary's response to Jesus' gift of life. A response that goes, this may look weird, but I'm going to do something crazy because I absolutely want to show you how much I love you. Extravagant and expensive. Mary not sparing pours out this ointment on Jesus. Now, Judas's reaction, when we read in the rest of the text, gives you an example of that. He says this stuff is, could be sold for at least 300 denarii. 300 denarii is uh, equivalent to a year's wage. What you just did is you poured this perfume that was worth a year's wage. Now, I don't know what salaries are going. Let's say the average salary, $60,000, we will go right there. So $60,000 you just poured on Jesus' head and feet. What? Now, and, and even makes more of a contrast is at the time, this Pyrinard was usually used for a burial ceremony. And it was actually uh, used for their retirement. It was their RSP. In other words, when a person died, they could use this for their own burial to pay off debts. Or they could also show an extravagant way of loving someone by giving all of their treasured possession. It was their RSPs. Mary cashed in all of her, all of her RSPs and started to give it to Jesus. Basically the equivalent. Gave up her retirement savings fund. Why did she do this? Why? Why would, what, whatever possessed, and I love it, Judas even says, Why did you do this? You could give it to the poor. He actually, even Judas was going, This just seems like such a waste. You're, you're why did you not hold back, Mary? Well, Mary's action indicates an, an expression of intense personal devotion to Jesus. And she anointed the head of, and feet of Jesus because she's acting like a servant. See, the, the ones that cleaned feet were not the household, not the person at the, at, the, at the head of the table. The one that cleaned the feet was for the lowest of the lowest of the people in the house that did it. Mary was like, she was kind of showing, she goes, because of what you've done, your gift of life to my, uh, my brother and bringing him back, I just want to serve you. I will get as low as the lowest, lowest person to show this. In fact, it's an incredible act of worship and an expression of Love. Let me ask you a question. What what does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? What does it mean that when we understand what he paid for and the price he paid, what what does it mean to be Lord? Because that's what she did. She became a servant, which meant he is now Lord, not Savior. You see, I actually believe this. I think nothing is more important um, because... Jesus often told people to follow him. If you love me, you will follow my commands. Jesus was the most honest person. He said, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost actually. He said this in Matthew 10 verse 38. Unless you take up your cross and follow me, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is actually not worthy of me. The idea that in order to follow Jesus, you got to lay everything down. Everything. I, I love it because Francis Chan was reading uh, some of his stuff in his book, and he, he really challenged it. When he did his book called Crazy Love, it was so provocative because what it did is it challenged. What does it mean to have a love like that? And he, he made the statement, following Jesus is not just about believing. And I went, What? not just about believing. You see, he said, there are many people that believe in Jesus, but there are few that follow him. Would you believe that? Because Jesus said, broad is the way and the path to destruction, and many will choose, but narrow is the way of life. You see, as Francis started to share, he goes, you know, I could even share a hard message. I could share about how, you know, uh, the tough things about God but on the, on, and dealing with stuff. But when I ask people to obey God, to follow him, that's when it gets interesting. It gets really tough. Because people react to, well, that doesn't, no, no, I don't, what, what do you mean? Especially radical. Radical. The way that Jesus told us to lay our life down. Everything. But you know what's neat? He says he spent three years, he started off at the beginning saying to his disciples, come follow me. And at the end of, his, at the, end of the three years, he says to him, now come follow me and then go and make other followers. Teaching other people to obey me and to be baptized and to that. He, it wasn't and to believe in me. And that's the challenge, is we have a lot of belief, but do we have a lot of followers is the question. Because following is a whole different choice than belief. Put to death, therefore, is what Paul says to the Romans. Put to death there and walk into it. There's a choice that we live out. And you know what? In order for me to let go, I've got to make a real crucial choice. Am I willing to let go, to die? I love it because to follow is pretty simple. Following is a really simple, I'm a simple person. I said this to the kids. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not grow up with a lot of Christian teaching. So when I came to church, I heard the gospel for the first time. I heard how Jesus died, was rose again, loves you. I loved it. So I heard how grace came in. And then my, my, my pastor said to me, and now once you believe that, you follow him. So follow is pretty simple, I think. What does it mean to follow? Ever, anyone ever play follow the leader? It's really simple game. We play follow the leader, which means this one person stands up and says, you know, uh, pat your head. And so we all pat our head. You know, hop like a, hop like a, uh, whatever, bunny. And you just do what the leader says. Now, what I find interesting, though, is in church, what, what we can do is this we could say, it's a little different when you say follow Jesus. Because when we say follow Jesus, it's just do it in your heart. Just believe in it. Okay, just believe? No, I'm a pretty simple person. He said, do this, and, and, and so we try to do it. We just try to live it. it it'd be like this, and I, I love it, because imagine if I said to my, I pick on my boys all the time, and they're so gracious of me. I said to my boys, I did this at the ski trip. Imagine I said to the boys, boys, can you clean up your bedroom? And they come back to me and say, well, Dad, it's great, Dad, uh, We thought about what you said, and you know, we did a study, we did a word study on cleaning up our bedroom. So what we did is we just kind of talked, we thought, okay, what would it look like to clean up our bedroom? And then you know what, I actually brought some friends over, and and we did this together, and I learned it in the Greek, Dad. I learned how, you know, the word uh, clean your room in Greek. Well, I, I don't know about you, but would that fly for me? I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you know the, the word. I'm glad that you... No, I'd be like, no, buddy, just do it. A choice that is made to follow, a choice that is given to that, that's the challenge that, that I think that sometimes we need a shot in the arm to remember. And I believe this, that when Jesus said, come, follow me, it resonates in my heart. It's, we were just, Aaron and I were just at a pastor's retreat with all the salt and light guys, and we were asked that question, what does it mean to just give everything to God? I have to admit, when you have more stuff, it's harder. Amen? It was easy when I was a teenager and I didn't have a car and didn't have all this stuff. But as you get older and as you acquire more things, there's a bigger cost, isn't it? And sometimes I think the challenge for us is, do we, can we go back to like we were when we had our first love that said, Lord, you have everything? Because I love this. He has our time. He has our entertainment. He has our social. He has our work. He has our money. Do we compartmentalize as we get older or say, no, Lord, everything is yours? That was extra. I just came in the Holy Spirit. Never mind. Next thing is this. We want to see Jesus' example of not sparing. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Remember I said I'd come back to this. Because Jesus is an, an incredible example. He, he doesn't just want to look at people. He wants to look at, get us looking at Jesus. And he says to the Roman church about the character of God, he who did not spare his own son. God did not spare him. He didn't withhold any part of him. You know, I think this way, that imagine the conversation that was happening in the garden. If there's any way to take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, is there a way that you could hold back? Father, is there any way that you could withhold something from this? But not my will, your will be done. What would have happened if God would have held back? We, on the other hand, know what it looks like to have all the blessings because we have a God who will not spare. He will not hold back the precious, most incredible gift, which is his son, regardless of what the cost would be like for us. He did not spare him at all. He freely lavished his son on us, giving away to us, even though he he knew what we would do to him. He was willing to give everything for us, Imagine if you even think in the Trinitarian sort of idea. It's like I'm going to give you a part of of me and the one thing that I would treasure is, is there's nothing better than God and I'm going to give myself to you. This not sparing of Jesus is more than just sending him here to the earth. It was of such great cost and suffering. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all have fallen. We all are in need. Imagine if God spared. What if he didn't actually fulfill everything? We would be still trapped in our sins. But what God does by releasing. Are you blessed? That's the nature of God. To bless. To bless. To bless and to bless because you see outside of jesus if we don't realize that he did not god did not spare his own son we were doomed we would not be spared from any of the judgments that we would deserve so what did he do he sent jesus willing to go to the cross The Holy Spirit, through the prophet Isaiah, says this in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray each of us have turned our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, I think it's often we're okay with believing in Jesus, but when it comes to following, but what if it means following would also mean suffering? That's what the point of the end of that verse. Provided that you in your following are okay with sometimes God asking you to do some really crazy stuff that's not easy. Ever had that happen? You ever at? I did. Nikki did. When we were sitting in Winnipeg or up in Whitehorse and we were shaking, kind of going, What God do you want to do? And he said, We're gonna send you to Winnipeg. Guess what my wife said? No. No. I don't I don't no 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 Lord. No, 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 this can't be the Lord. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. Because the cost at that point was we just had two little babies. Andrew was now four, Nathan was two, and she said, I don't want to leave grandma and grandpa no, Lord. In fact, we were just, the Lord was speaking to Nikki when she was just pregnant with Nathan that God was going to move her. And she said, no, Lord, no, I don't want to. And we, we, she wrestled through with that saying the cost is too great to say, Lord, this life of no holding back. And then what happened was this. She said, Lord, but I know that you have a better way. Just give me two years. Two years to the day of that prayer, guess what we were doing? Packing up our U-Haul. It was amazing. We, we put our car in the back of the U-Haul. It was, don't tell any of the U-Haul guys that. Anyway, long story. Yeah. Seriously, we came here, trailer with a van on the back, full of stuff, trailer with more stuff, and we parked the car in the back of the trailer, made a loft and all of our furniture in it. We were so grossly overweight that um, I think we're doing 30K up the mountains. It was amazing. That was extra. Here we go. Got that out of my chest. We confessed. Amen. As long as there's no suffering. Nor I, I look back and I think, what a, what a weird prayer. But the truth is, God knew. He gave two years, and look what he, because he had the best for us. I mean, Winnipeg, the weather is terrible. I miss the mountains. But I wouldn't want to be any other place other than the will of God. We look back and we just said, thank God for releasing us to beautiful people. Kids that we know that love the Lord. What if it was a different scenario? We just had that conversation with Andrew when he was 18. There was a cost, but... Cost seems nothing when you actually know you're serving the Lord and you serve Him. Going to Egypt doesn't seem too crazy, eh, girl? I wanna close with this. Thanks. I'm gonna shut this down because I feel like that's where the Lord wants me to stop. Father, I wanna thank you that this morning and ask the worship team to actually no they have worship team stay there. Um, This morning, we want to just thank you for, Lord, the opportunity for us to partner with you, that you are a God that does not hold back. Lord, I don't want to hold back. I want to thank you this morning for us, the choice to follow you. Maybe you have been prompted by the Lord to follow him, to actually not just believe in Jesus, but to give your life. You haven't been living for the Lord. In fact... The challenge is you're, you're kind of doing your own thing most of the week, and then the next part of the week you then decide. And even today, you actually came to church because you know God loves you, and he never gives up on you. This morning, I would encourage you to make a choice. Just decide to say, Lord, I give you my life. In fact, if you could do this, just eyes closed. Everyone, just close your eyes, because I want to make it so that it just... I was at a camp when someone said, would you give your life to Jesus? And it changed me because I understood the gospel, but I wanted to give him. If, you're li- if you would like to make a choice to just say, Lord, I want to give you my life. And I don't care if you've been following him forever and you want to make a rededication. That's up to you. But I want to pray for you. If you could just, I'd love for you to encourage you to lift up your hands so I can pray for you this morning. Yeah, thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for we don't have to do that in our heart. We can actually, because I know what happened with me when I was at that camp and my speaker said that I stood up because I wanted to make a commitment. I wanted to make a choice. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have now to just make a choice, to follow you. Lord, we're going to fail, but I thank you that you who did not spare your own son how much more you're willing to help. You're always graciously pouring out more. Lord, I just want to thank you for those who would say, I want to, I want to make that decision to follow you. How many of you have made that decision and said, I'm following you? You can put up your hand. Go ahead. Put up your hand. Yeah. Hands all around. Lord, we want to say thank you. We want to make that commitment to you to say, Lord, we, want to, we don't want to hold back. Thank you, Lord, for the song that we sang this morning about not holding back. We want all our stuff, because we know it's not about our, it's in our lives, but everything is yours. We don't hold on to things, Lord. We want to, in our culture to be able to freely give as we've freely received. And so, Lord, we want to thank you for the what you want to do us. But, Lord, we want to just, first of all, just This week, make a new commitment to say, Lord, I'm following you. And we thank you for this beautiful day, but we especially thank you for not holding back on us. And everyone said, amen.